As astronomers find more and more planets around other stars, the big question we want to know is, are they habitable? Could there be life there? The vast majority of stars in the Milky Way are red dwarf stars, and most of the planets in habitable zones have been found orbiting these cooler, less massive stars. What are the chances that life could get going on these worlds? At the time that I'm recording this video in early 2019, almost 50 planets have been discovered orbiting within their star's habitable zone. This is the region around a star where liquid water can be present. Too close to the star, and water on the surface of the planet will vaporize and blow off into space, like Mercury here in our solar system. Too distant from the star, and water freezes like the icy moons of Jupiter and Saturn. Most of the stars found with planets in their habitable zone have been red dwarfs. These are stars with a fraction of the mass of the Sun, from 15% to 50%. Conditions around these stars would be very different from what we have here in the solar system, since these are probably the most common planets in the Milky Way. Could life survive there? The answer is we don't know, but we do know that it's very complicated, and that's a good start. Astronomers have been studying the question, and in the last few weeks, several interesting pieces of research have come out addressing it. Because red dwarf stars have much less mass than stars like our Sun, they have a very different internal structure. Our Sun has the core, where stellar fusion happens, and this is surrounded by the radiative zone, where photons are emitted and absorbed over and over as light makes its way from the core to the Sun's surface. Outside the radiative zone is the convective zone, where the Sun acts more like a lava lamp, where blobs of stellar material rise up, releasing heat to the surface. When the Sun runs out of fuel in the core, it'll begin to die, bloating up into a red giant and then shrinking down into a white dwarf. It has lots of usable fuel in the outer layers, it just had no way to get them into the core. Red dwarfs, on the other hand, don't have a radiative zone. They have the core and stellar fusion, which is surrounded by the convective zone. The convection constantly mixes up material in the entire star, bringing new fuel to the core. When a red dwarf finally dies after billions, trillions, or even tens of trillions of years, it will have used up all the hydrogen in the star. This incredibly long lifespan means that whatever happens on the planets around red dwarfs, they'll have a long time to work out the details. While life on Earth seems to have arrived a few hundred million years after our planet formed, life orbiting a red dwarf star could take a few hundred billion years before it can get going. But actually, it might want to hurry. The problem is that red dwarfs generate incredibly powerful flares, far worse than anything our Sun does. This happens because red dwarfs rotate more rapidly than larger stars. This causes more extreme magnetic fields, which can release an enormous amount of energy when they snap and reconfigure. In the first 100 million years or so of a red dwarf's life, these flares can release 10,000 times the energy of a typical flare on the sun. Young red dwarfs can release flares like this every day, even several times a day. If those flares were happening on the sun, they would strip away our planet's ozone layer within about five years. Microorganisms would receive 100 times the lethal dose of ultraviolet from every super flare. But it gets worse. 
those flares might actually remove the raw materials for life in a red dwarf system. Astronomers working with the Very Large Telescope and the Hubble Space Telescope studied the red dwarf star AU Microscopii. They discovered that huge blobs of material are being ejected out of the protoplanetary disk, acting like a huge snowplow that pushes ice and organic molecules away from the inner system. It looks like the flares might be so bad they clear out all the useful material before the planets can even form. Even though planets might be in the habitable zone, they'd be bone dry without all the water that was delivered to Earth in its early history. Any life that did get going in the dry environment would then continue to suffer extreme super flares. But let's say that life did find a way to get started on a planet orbiting a red dwarf and survive the first hundred million years of extreme flare activity. Then does it have a chance? It's believed that the planets orbiting closely to the red dwarf stars are tidally locked, like the moon is tidally locked to the Earth. One side of the planet is blasted by constant radiation, while the other side is in eternal darkness. Only regions around the edge might get enough variation in temperature to allow life to survive on the surface of the planet. The TRAPPIST-1 system contains four planets which are all within the habitable zone of their star, but they're probably all tidally locked to their star. According to another paper from Savi, Lingham, and Avi Loeb, the challenges continue. Although a planet might be warm enough to have liquid water on its surface, they calculated that red dwarf stars don't give off enough photons in the right frequency range to support photosynthesis. Here on Earth, the base of the food chain is plants, which use photons in the 400 to 750 nanometer range to convert energy from the sun into uh, plant stuff. And then animals eat the plants. It's one of those circle of life kind of things. Even if a planet is in the habitable zone around a red dwarf star, the majority of photons are in the longer wavelengths, infrared and red light, and less of the shorter wavelengths as well as ultraviolet. According to Lingham and Loeb, all of the habitable zone planets found around red dwarf stars aren't getting enough of the right kind of photons to support a biosphere like Earth. And right now, I'm sure you're thinking, what about a biosphere that isn't anything like Earth? Well, we'll get to that in a second, but first I'd like to thank Squigglenut, Arc Titan, Jason Williams, Frank X. Harris, Stephen Tucker, Andrew Harmsworth, Ryan Androsoff, and the rest of our 799 patrons for their generous support. If you love what we're doing, you want to get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash universe today. I know I've been a total buzzkill so far, just depressing you with news about all these cool planets we're finding in the habitable zone. So let me throw you a bone. A recent study from Villanova University looked at the habitability of the super-Earth planet that was recently found orbiting Bernard's star. This red dwarf is the second closest star to the Sun, only six light years away compared to 4.3 for Alpha Centauri. This planet wouldn't qualify as being in the habitable zone. It orbits around the distance of Mercury and has an average surface temperature of minus 170 degrees centigrade. But it also has 3.2 times the mass of the Earth with 1.366 Earth radii. So it's a large planet with probably a large hot iron nickel core and a lot of geothermal activity, which gives it a similar environment to Jupiter's moon Europa. It could have a thick shell of ice surrounding liquid oceans, which have enough geothermal activity to support an ecosystem that doesn't depend on radiation from the star. In fact, 
Worlds like this could be much more common across the Milky Way than the traditional habitable zone planets we're hoping to find. The best piece of good news, I think, is the reality that red dwarf stars will last an incredibly long time. While our own sun only has a few billion years left, red dwarfs can last a trillion or even 10 trillion years. If life can somehow survive underground or under the ice protected from those early flares, they'll have trillions of years to evolve, adapt, and improve. We're still in the early days of the universe when you consider how long these stars are going to live. Maybe slow and steady will win the race. What do you think? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Once a week, I gather up all my space news into a single email newsletter and send it out. It's got pictures, brief highlights about the story, and links so that you can find out more. Go to universetoday.com newsletter to sign up. All of my videos are also available in a handy audio and video podcast format so that you can have our latest episodes show up right on your audio device. Go to universetoday.com audio or universetoday.com video to get the one you want, and I'll put the links in the show notes. And finally, here's a playlist.